listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Come on, high five two people around you and say, you better be behaving right. Come on, tell me. Come on, you better be behaving. Mm, I wonder what we're talking about tonight. I wonder what we're talking about. Wow, loving, loving, loving this series again, Detox. I think we just had a phenomenal day on Sunday and I pray that you are challenged. I had a young lady, 18 years of age, come up to me after the service Sunday morning and just said, Pastor, thank you so much for preaching that message, and tears just rolling down her face. She said, I was so challenged in that message, and I had the privilege of meeting with her or seeing her yesterday, and said to her, how's it going? And she said, Pastor, this has been a different week. I messed up once. I lost my cool with my brothers and sisters, but I apologized to them and said, I'm sorry for speaking to you like that. So what a great praise report just to hear that God is working in our life. And I pray the same for your life. And and just really the very thought of detox, it can be something that can be painful in doing. If you've ever done a physical detox, that's pretty tough. But when we're trying to detox and rid our lives of toxins and harmful things and people, it can be tough. It can be painful. It can be hard. But I know this, you're going to feel better because of it. You will feel better because of it. And that's our goal of these messages. Each message, we want to identify those toxic and unhealthy areas of your life. So with the help of God, you can change and you can live clean in a dirty, contaminated world. So what we've looked at is the first week we looked at dealing with deception. Excuse me, coming clean with yourself. We really could have called that lethal deception because that's exactly what it is. Then last Wednesday night, we talked about the battlefield of our mind, didn't we? Mind games. We could have called that lethal thoughts too and dealing with those things. And, And the mind is our beginning point. It starts with a thought. So listen to me. If you're losing the battle in your life, it's at the beginning mainly, not at the decision point. So a lot of times we think it's when we're at that decision point. No, it's way before it becomes a thought. And then on Sunday, we talked about lethal language, having the lethal words that we are framing our world by the words that we say. And tonight, I want to talk about wrong behaviors. Say that with me, wrong behaviors. Could be called lethal behaviors because if we don't get things right, our life is not going to be right. So we're going to look at some of the things that we engage in, some things that we have passed off and excused as, well, everyone else is doing it. One of the things I've realized in my life, it's a pretty good rule to look at. If everyone else is doing it, then it usually is something that I choose not to do. 
Because if it's okay with everyone else, it's probably not what needs to be happening in my life. Just saying, and that's something that may help you. But I just want to give a shout out again to Sunday. I want you to be here Sunday because we're going to take everything that we have learned this month and we are going to show you practically five incredible steps that I believe will change your life as you walk out this detox, as you walk out what God wants to do in each and every one of your lives and you can stay clean. So we're going to start tonight from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A yoke was a piece of wood in its simplest form that they would use to put between two animals that they would be able to harness them together so they could plow, so they could pull a load, so they could serve a purpose. So a yoke was that which was used to hold together, listen to me, to bring closeness. And the Bible is telling us here, we need to watch what we're allowing close to our lives. We can't control what's going on around us, but we can control what we allow to come close and to be a part of our lives. Because it goes on to say, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion or common union has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? That's another name for Satan. A Hebrew word, which means worthlessness or lawlessness. Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? Verse 16, and what agreement has the temple of God, our bodies, our lives, with idols? For you are, God says, the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. Meaning what? God wants to be close to us. God wants to be there with us. God says, I want to walk amongst you. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. That's God's design. God wants relationship with us. See that? The closeness, the intimacy, that's his design, that's his desire, and that's his plan. But when we allow the wrong things close, then it pushes God out of the way. Do you catch the picture? So we've got to watch what we allow close because it can be either limiting and restricting or releasing God's presence into our lives. Verse 17, therefore, remember every time you see therefore in the Bible, you need to stop and ask, what is it there for? Amen. So therefore, come out from them and be separated. Separation, not closeness, but separation, says the Lord. Do not touch which is unclean, and I will receive you. I love verse 18. I will be a father to you. Wow. I'll be there for you, and you will be my sons, and you will be my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. But we're going to continue the thought because it really doesn't finish. It goes to a new chapter, but the thought is still carried on. And chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, what promises? I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm your father. You're my children. That's the promises of God. It says, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, 
perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That word holiness doesn't mean perfection. That word holiness really means living a life that pleases God, that honors God. And God wants us to live such a life. But what does He tell us? We've got to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. We are a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. Our soul and spirit many times are messed up because of our body, because of our flesh, and because of what we put into us. So our behavior, our actions, what we do is key to it all. Romans 7 verse 23 says this, but I see another law in my members. Paul is talking about, because just before that, he's talked about, God, I love your way. Come on. He's talked about, I desire to do your way. God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. He's going all out for God. But then he faces the reality like we do every one in my times in our lives. He said, but there's another law. There's something else in my life that fights against that. Do I have a witness tonight? I want to do right. I want to love God. But there's something else that so many times wants to rear its ugly head. Look what it says. And it is warring against the law of my mind, and wants to bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, in my body. It wants to bring me to a place of captivity. Listen to what New Living Translation says. It says this, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. There's a battle. There's a struggle. There's a war of the flesh. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you close to God. Doesn't want you to follow God's way. One translation says that which I struggle with wants to make me a prisoner to it. What a picture of sin. What a picture of the idea of what the enemy wants to do to imprison us, to captivate, to make us a slave to those things. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You may say body of death. What do I mean by that? There's actually a pictural thought here because Paul is talking about something that would take place. As a punishment, if someone had murdered someone, during these times, one of the punishments was that they would literally take the dead body of the person they had murdered and strap it to the body of the person who committed the crime. And so it was a dead body. That's why Paul's saying, how can I escape this dead body? Because what would happen is that body would begin to decay and it would begin to fester and it would begin to stink and maggots and disease. But it wouldn't just stay on that body. The maggots and the disease and everything would begin to eat its way into the body of that which was living. And it would see it have such a painful, horrific death. 
Never to mind that you lose all your friends in the process. No, there's only one for room for one. There's no room for two. Come on now. You know, that, what a horrific thing it is. And that's why Paul says, who's going to deliver? How can I be cut free from this body of death? That sinful nature that stinks, that wants to destroy my life. And that's what we want to talk about. Because yes, our body possesses the ability to destroy so much. But by making the right choices, our body can make things good too. So I want to look at three key behaviors. Three key behaviors. And I just want to warn you right now, this is going to be a tough message tonight. It's going to be a tough message tonight. The first behavior that we're going to look at tonight is addiction. 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 How can I escape? Think about that. How can I escape this addiction? It's warring against me. All of these things we can put into the concept or the thought of what Paul is addressing. It's waging against me. It wants me to be a slave to it. It wants me to be a prisoner to it. You know, one thing I found out about addiction is this. Addiction can be a very labeling word. And what I mean by that, it kind of outcasts people. Oh, they've got an addiction. They've got a problem. There's them and there's me. But one thing I've realized about addiction is this. Are you ready? Everyone suffers with it. Because literally the word addiction means this. Anything I don't want to do, but I keep on doing. And probably every one of us in some shape or form have something that we all have an it that we cannot live without. And it wants to tell us how to live. And you may say, well, how do I know if I have a problem? How do I know if I have addiction? There's some pretty good rules to thumb that can go. Some are like this. Come on, do you arrange your schedule around it? Are you working to keep it a secret from other people? Is it isolating your life from other people? Do others around you say that you have a problem with it? Could you stop it? Now, and continue to... A lot of people say, oh, I could stop it right now if I wanted to. Well, do it. Well, I don't want to. That's an excuse for the fact that you can't. Because an addiction is something that you almost cannot continue without. So what is your it tonight? Could be many things. Could be alcohol. Could be drugs. Could be overspending. Could be overeating. Could be social media. Could be pornography. An addiction, something that you just cannot stop. Look at the scripture from Romans 6 verse 12 from the New Living and 13. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not be given into sinful desires. Verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. One translation says this, don't let sin master you. And that's what addiction wants to do. It wants to master your life. It wants to control your life. What did we find from the beginning? That's not what we need to be close to. Because that close to our life is going to separate us away from God. Because it's taking the space that God wants to occupy. Here's number two. Are you ready? Debauchery. Debauchery. Some of you have maybe even never heard of this word before. This is a biblical word, which means letting your senses determine your life or 
an indulgence into your sensuality. I didn't say sexuality. I said your sensuality. So in other words, debauchery is basically your feelings and what you want to do, that you allow your feelings to determine your life. And this is absolutely massive today in the culture that we are living especially with those who are probably under about 30 years of age. Why is that? Because those who are probably 30 years and older, we grew up in a time where we were raised with more godly convictions. We were taught really what was right and what was wrong. We were given morals. We were taught standards. We were, it was preached to us manners. All these things that are going to make your life. Come on, there was a clear divide, right and wrong. Why? Because we were given the facts and the truth over the feelings. But now what do we see around us? That's not even close to the current mindset or what we see around us today. Because now we're fed stuff like this. Are you ready? Just be yourself. Just express yourself. That's what Disney wants to say. Just express yourself. Here's what the world tells you. Just follow your own feelings. Your feelings are who you are. Don't fight those things. If it makes you feel good, then just do it because that must mean it's good and it's right. That's what we're fed today. That's what the world is telling us. I I thought about this um, I'd heard someone else preach this. How many years ago when Ronald Reagan was the president, Nancy Reagan had a campaign that said, just say no. Didn't she? Just say no. If you were older, you remembered that. It was to drugs and to alcohol, to premarital sex. It just went on. Just say no. And then I I thought, uh, former president, President Obama, what was his slogan when he tried to come in? Yes, you can. And I thought to myself, isn't it amazing? You've got someone who's saying, no, you can't. And now you've got the world saying, oh, yes, you can. And that's not a pick on President Obama. That's just the culture and the day that we live in today. Because no one wants to be told no. Everyone wants to be, oh, it's okay. It's good. Just do, oh, if you feel that, express yourself. Just enjoy yourself. And we think, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, then what's the harm? And that's a total lie. I want to hear that. That's a total lie. Look at this. You cannot trust your feelings because they will lie to you. I don't know where I'd be today if I followed my feelings. I'm telling you what, I probably wouldn't be a pastor. Let's just be real right now. I mean, where would we be if we didn't follow our feelings? Because why? Our feelings have the tendency more than not to steer us in the wrong direction. As children of God, we're called to follow truth. We're called to follow moral standards. And those standards are set by God. We want to be God now and we want to determine what's right and we want to determine what's wrong. Uh -uh. It's already been written. It's already been defined. We're just trying to redefine something that is already set in place. Because God has given us conviction. But unfortunately today, people find themselves less and less convicted. And really, what a great statement, or what a great title, really, to label exactly where we are right now. We're a debaucherous society right now. It's okay to follow that. It's who you are. 
as long as it feels good. That's the message of our day. But that's not how you are. That's not how you were made. Come on. It's the choice that you have made. It's the choice that you have made. And we are feeding ourselves, our bodies, things that have a massive impact. Look at the scripture from Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to what? Debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to jump on a soapbox here, but I'll just proudly and boldly say this. Kelly and I have made a determination and a conviction in our lives that we're not going to drink alcohol. We don't do it. As a family, we don't allow that. We've made a commitment not to do those things. And here's one of the reasons why. This verse, along with so many other reasons, but I don't want my senses to be dulled. Come on, let me say that again. I don't want my senses to be dulled because that's exactly what alcohol and those things will do. It will dull my senses for what? Leading us to something else. Notice there's always something else waiting around the corner. So I don't need to put into my body something that possesses the ability to make me do the wrong things. And people can look at you and say, well, what's up? Get with it. it. It's the new thing. It's No, the old thing is still working fine. Thank you very much. The Message Bible says this. Don't drink wine because it will cheapen your life. New Living Translation says this. Don't drink wine because it will ruin your life. Why? Because it's a slippery slope. Something that can be easily avoided. Why? Because my feelings don't make good decisions and choices, but my right choices lead and my feelings follow. Number three, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, another biblical word, big word that we maybe don't use much today. And incidentally, the Bible is very vocal when it comes to sexual immorality. This is actually one word in the Greek, sexual immorality. In the Greek word, it is actually pornea. Pornea, from which we get the word pornography from. However, The true meaning of that word isn't what we have just labeled as pornography. The truest sense of pornea is this. Listen to this. It's every sexual sin outside of marriage. Sexual immorality is every sexual sin outside of marriage. All sex out of marriage. And I just want to say this. Marriage as defined by God. One man... And one woman. Government wants to change something, but God has already instituted it and put it in place. So sexual immorality can be lust. It can be porn and watching pornography. It can be living together, cohabiting. It can be premarital sex, heterosexual and homosexual. It can be all of those things because sexual immorality is sex outside of the confines of marriage. Look at this passage of Scripture from 1 
Corinthians 6 verse 15. I told you it was going to be a tough one today. Paul is given a background. Well, let me give a background to what Paul is now about to say. The church of Corinth hastened the letter to the Corinthians. The church of Corinth had a form of worship in the temple that involved prostitutes. That people came into the temple and slept with the prostitutes as a form of worship to God. That's what they were committing, sexual immorality. So Paul comes on the scene and he says these words, Do you not know? He's so shocked and taken back, I believe, by this. He doesn't tell us, but I'm sure he is. He's having to say to himself, there's no way that they can believe this or have been told this is right. Obviously, they're just so blinded by it. They've never been told. So do you not know, he says what, that your bodies belong to Christ. They are members of Christ. He says, so then shall I take my body that belongs to Christ and make them a member of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. Now, the word that he uses in reference to them being joined or members of a harlot is a word that absolutely shocked them. Because Paul says these words. He says, do you realize that you have united yourself to a prostitute. That word united there means this, permanently fused at the deepest level. Do you realize what you have joined yourself through sexual immorality and what has happened as a result? You have permanently fused at the deepest level. You see, Paul is telling them that this isn't just an act. It's not just what you've done. But there's more going on than perhaps meets the eye because according to God's design of sex, God made it to be a uniting that when two come together, there's a permanent bonding and a fusing that comes together. There's science and everything involved in this. That things that are released and, and, and just uh, that causes a togetherness more than just the act. But that's not how the world has presented it. That's not how the world explains it. That's not how the world understands it to be because the world says it was just a one night stand. I didn't even know their names, so there was no ties, there was no to get, it just meant nothing. Because that's what the world wants us to believe the lie of. But according to God's design, because God gave us sex, God made it to be pleasing and satisfying. And God gave it to us in this way, that when we are intimately involved together, that you... Leave a part of them, a part of you with them, and they leave a part with you. Why? Because God created it to be a union or a soul mate. A soul mate. And he goes on to say in verse 16, 
Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot now has become one body with her? For the two, he says, and he quotes Scripture, become one flesh. Not just one physically, but what God put into sex also is becoming a soul bond. One emotionally. And you know why God did that? God did that on purpose to help us in marriage. To create a sexual bond between us. That you will, will unite us and keep us together so our marriage will be strong. One of the biggest problems we have today in marriages is the lack of intimacy. Because people are uniting themselves to their computer screens. They're uniting themselves to other people instead of the person that God has put them together. Listen, it's more than just sex. It's sexual immorality. It's a union and it's an adjoining. Not just physically, but emotionally. Pastor, this is kind of tough tonight. I mean, come on. But you see, you've got to identify and come clean with the behaviors of our life. Because if we want to be free from the toxic behaviors, we can't sweep them under the rug because they're going to still be toxic. We've got to bring them to the surface. We've got to put out the trash. We've got to choose life and we've got to decide the destination of our life. So how can I change those? Listen, God doesn't put us into condemnation. If you're, if you're in debauchery right now, if you're in sexual immorality, if you're in addiction right now, one thing I love about God and His Word is this. God doesn't just say there's a problem. God says, let me show you the solution. Come on, can I hear an amen? God brings us to a solution. And that's what I love about God. He doesn't just expose, he gives a clear pathway of freedom. I don't have to say, well, how do I do it? God shows me how I can be free as I follow his word. And for every one of us tonight, we can have a fresh start and we can have a new opportunity. And I love this statement. Look what Pastor Chris Hodges says. He says this thing, one, God didn't write one thing in the Bible for him. It's all for you. That's, that's pretty powerful right there. He didn't write it for him. He wrote it for you and me. So can I give you three helps tonight? Who's ready for some helps? Who's ready for some helps just to get some helps going in our life? Okay, we're going to give you three of them tonight. Number one, get away from it. What's your it? You know what that it is. Is get away from it. Well, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Come on, the grass is not greener on the other side. It just means you're neglecting your own side. And hey, if you want to know where the grass is the greenest, the grass is always the greenest around the outhouse. <laughs> the greener the grass, the higher the water bill. The more maintenance, the more upkeep. Come on, instead of thinking the grass is always cleaner, you've got to start maintaining your own lawn. You've got to turn your own sprinklers on. So the question tonight is, what, who, and where do you need to get away from? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 makes it very clear. He says, flee sexual immorality. Run for your life. 
You know our problem is? We think we can manage it where God says you've got to run from it. You can't be sitting back and say, well, pastor, I'm just working on it. God says get away from it. Some of you need to text some people before you leave and say, we're done. It's over. And, and, and wipe them off. Your, come on, you've got to get away from it. Your future and your life is not worth it. Oh, it's just a casual relationship. We're just flirting a little bit. Come on, get away from it. Flee away from it. Read on. Flee sexual immorality because every sin that a man does outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You are hurting yourself. It's not all the fun you think it is. It's harmful. It's hurtful to you. Verse 19, and do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Say with me, it's not mine. God says your body is not yours. Your body is mine. Come on. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Whom you have from God, and you are not your own. That's the key understanding that you've got to have tonight. You're not your own. You are not your own. Look at this, verse 20. You have been bought with a price. And what a price was paid for you. Because God gave his life as he hung upon a cross and cried out, It is finished. That's the price that was paid for you and I, a price that we could not pay. Therefore, he says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't belong to you. You see, when we make a commitment to God, here's what we say. God, I give you my life. And why do we make that commitment to God? Because we have a sin debt, a penalty against our name that we are powerless to pay. So when we say, God, I give you my life, he takes the penalty of our sins. But in doing so, he asks something from us in return. And he says, I want you. I want you. And I want all of you. You see, so many people think that hell is just a place where God sends the people he doesn't like. Where he sends people, come on, who are bad people. But can I tell you right now, hell is a place where people pay for their own sins. You don't have to go to hell because he paid the price. But what's required of that price he paid is now he wants you. So my decisions now are not just based on what I want. My decisions now need to be based on the fact, what does he want from me? Because what he wants is always the best. And I can't emphasize that enough. We can't even think about it in an earthly realm because as parents... We say we want the best for our kids and we try the hardest to give the best and steer our kids in the best. But I know I've made some mistakes thinking I was giving them the best. I, was, I had a good intentions, and, but God's not like that. God's not like, oh, sorry, I thought that was. Everything that God has for you is always 
the best. Look at this statement. Salvation is not joining a church. Salvation is giving control of your life to a new owner. Saying, God, now you're in control. Now my life is yours. And now I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. You getting anything out of this tonight? Number two, are you ready? You've got to guard your mind. That's the starting place. Come on, say with me, the starting place. That's the battlefield. I know we talked more about this last Wednesday night, so you need to go back and listen. But what happens is this. We've got to a place where we convince ourselves it's not really that bad. We fill our minds. Well, we justify all those things. It's just a little bit. It's like the kid who was inviting his friends around for a sleepover. And he said to his mum, can we watch this movie? And the mum knew the movie and there was some bad things in the movie. And the mum says, no, son. He says, but mum, it's just a few short bad things. It's nothing major. And all the kids have already seen it, so it's nothing bad. So the mum said to the son, okay, you can have them around. You can watch the movie. And I'll tell you what, I'll make you your favorite brownies too. Well, the boy's like blown away. Wow, this is awesome. The kids around, they're watching the movie. The mum begins to make the brownies. But then she walks outside. And in the yard where the dog has pooped, she grabs a little bit, takes it back, and puts it inside the brownies, and mixes it up, and then says to the kids, but it's just a little bit. You probably won't taste it. Come on, how many knows a little poop goes a whole long way? I'm not taking the risk. But it's just a little bit. It's what our minds tell us. It's just a little thing. It's just a couple of words. It's just a little nudity. It's, not, it's just a little lie. It's just something really small. What is our mind? It's the starting point. And we've got to be very, very careful. Because what starts with a small thought grows. How do we know this? The Bible tells us. James 1 verse 15 says this. But when desire has conceived, when my thoughts, what I want, has conceived, guess what? It's going to give birth to sin. Come on, everyone loves a puppy, but puppies grow. And they've got to be fed and they've got to be walked and they've got to be bathed and they've got to be clipped and they've got to be taken care of. Oh, but the puppy's cute. Sin grows. Used to be cute. Used to be fun. Used to be small. Cuddly. Smells good. But now it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Conceded so small. Microscopically small. But grows and grows till it totally consumes and destroys. I said this earlier, but look, take this down. If you are losing the battle, it is usually at the beginning point, not the decision point. It's in your mind before it becomes a reality. So you've got to start from the beginning and get it right. Number three, Go all in with God. You've got to go all in with God. Not half in. You've got to go all in with God. Matthew 15 verse 8 says these words. These people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips. 
but the most important part is gone. It's a lip service. It doesn't mean anything. It's praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's great. And then we just go on and on. Come on. Matthew 5 verse 8 says, but their heart is far from me. Come on. Our relationship with God has to be more than words. You know, you know the problem that a lot of people have? A lot of people look at the Bible and Christianity all wrong. Because they think, if I'm going to follow Jesus, then it's a list of do's and don'ts. It's restricting. It's limiting for my life. You want to hear the truth tonight? It's about a better alternative. Oh, there's lists of do's and don'ts, but to show you a better way. You see, we've got the misconception, oh, I can't, I can't. No, the Bible presents to us God's way, which is a better alternative. So notice this statement. Sin loses its attractiveness when you find something better. Come on, I'm just not going to commit adultery on Kelly just because there's a verse in the Bible. I'm not going to commit adultery on Kelly is because I love her. Do you see that? It's not just because of what the Bible says. It's because I have chosen to love her. And when you choose to love someone, you don't want to disappoint them and you don't want to hurt them. You see, the answer in life is we need to be all in love with God. We need to be all in with God. Because when you give everything to God, you will discover your purpose and you will discover God's plan for your life. And now you have a future and now life is great. Because all of a sudden now in my life, I have a plan and I have a purpose. And you know what? Why I don't do the wrong things is because of you too. Because I think about what will happen. Because now I have a purpose for my life. I'm all in with God and I want to fall in love with Him. Look at Romans 6.13 again. It says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For if you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I love that. Come on, it's not now just a case of not sinning, but now I have something better to live for. Remember Peter? We talked about him a couple of days ago. We talked about Peter who denied Christ three times. But then Jesus comes to him and he asks him three questions. Remember what Jesus asked him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now we know that for every denial, God gave him an opportunity to confess. But I believe there's more in here than just that. Because what I believe we see right here is this, that love for him, that when we have love for him, come on, it overcomes and overrides all of our past, all our mistakes. I don't have to worry about going back anymore because I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. My love for him is greater and sets me free. You see, so many people, they face the temptation to try and overcome it, where we need to turn away from it and fall in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden, we'll lose the desire for those things. You see, our focus is in the wrong place. Peter's focus was in the denial and failing God. But Jesus says, hold on a second. You're looking the wrong way. Do you love me? You've got to start 
realizing it's found in love. You want to be free tonight? Love him more with everything. Because wrong behaviors now can become right behaviors. As everything I do, I do to please him. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? Hope that helped today. What is the it? What is it that you need to flee from? What is it that you need to fall in love with him to get away from? Are you totally in love with him or are you just giving him a part? I'm telling you right now, he'll take whatever you give. But you're limiting yourself because he does say he's a jealous God. And he wants all of you. He wants all of you. Wrong behaviors. Addictions. Debauchery. Sexual immorality. These are real things. But God is greater. And we don't say these things tonight to put you into a state of condemnation but to give you hope that you can change. That God does love you. That he has a future for you. He has a plan with your name on it. But you've got to accept that. You've got to accept that. I just feel led again tonight just to say, find a place to pray. Can you, can you just find a place to pray? Because I think every one of us can do some soul searching tonight. If you want to stay in your seat, if you want to stand, if you want to turn and kneel where you're at, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to lay on your face, if you want to walk around, whatever it is, I I just would like you to make a movement because I think that's just a statement of faith to say, you know what, God? I need you. I need you. I need you. Maybe some it's need to be dealt with right now. Some addictions need to be released. Come on, you don't need to go to a 10-step, 12-step, 15-step. There's a one-step you can take tonight. Fall in love with Jesus. And God can set you free. I mean, God can set you free. Are you living by your own feelings? Well, it feels good and, and I'm happy. And as long as I'm happy, that all that matters. One day when you stand before God, He's going to say, either well done, good and faithful servant, or I didn't know you. He's not going to say, I'm glad you were happy in life. God's going to say, I need you holy in life. Because he's more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. Maybe today it's sexual immorality. Sex outside of marriage. You unite and joining with something that's going to destroy your life. Come on tonight. We're fleeing from it. We're running. We're not managing it. We're fleeing it. We're leaving it. We're moving away. Come on tonight. We're trusting God. Come on, we're trusting God with all of our lives. We're looking to Him. We're saying, God, guard our minds because the starting point is where the problems begin. And tonight we're saying, God, I just want to be so totally, madly, passionately in love with you. Precious Jesus.
precious to you. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.